so we are good. So please, open your Bibles with me. We'll get started in the First Timothy chapter 4. We'll start chapter 4 today, maybe, if I can find it. There we go. So please, let's bow our heads and let's pray and then we'll dig in. Father, we come before you, Lord, as your people. I pray we come before you with humble hearts, Lord, in gratitude of who you are, of your greatness and of your majesty. Lord, you truly are the one who is lifted high above the heavens. And Father, we come here to not only worship you today in our singing and in our giving, but we come here today, Father, to worship you in your word. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would bring your word to your people. I pray you would feed your sheep, Lord. Father, I pray you would guard my words. Father, that I would be faithful to your scriptures. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be opened. I pray that you would convict us where we need to be convicted and encourage us where we need to be encouraged. Lord, I pray that you would be with those who aren't here today that are sick. Father, I pray that you would heal them, that you would touch them. Father, I pray that you would be with those here today that aren't here physically. Lord, that have some physical ailments that likewise you would heal them and touch them. I thank you, Father, for those that are here today, Lord, that uh, are struggling, that are hurting physically, emotionally, spiritually. And I pray, Father, that you would come and heal them with the healing touch of your gospel, Lord. Father, we just thank you for Christ and all he has done for us and ask this time would be glorifying to you. Amen. When we get to junior high or high school, we have biology class. And a lot of times in biology class, we get to dissect a frog. And so essentially when we dissect a frog or we dissect any type of animal, we cut the animal open and we can see what's inside that animal and how that animal works. As we go into the university systems, if we're going to become doctors, we work on cadavers, right? And it's the same thing. They're able to open up the bodies of the cadavers and they're able to see inside because they are dissecting what this looks like. And so Paul, as he starts chapter 4, he is going to start to dissect today apostasy with the false teachers. So that's what I want us to look at today is dissecting apostasy. This is what 2 Chronicles 25, 2, 14 and 27 put together says. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, yet not with a whole heart. This is King Amaziah. After Amaziah came from striking down the Edomites, he brought the gods of the men of Sire and set them up as his gods and worshipped them, making offerings to them. 
From the time when he turned away, there's our word, from the time when he turned away from the Lord, they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish, but they sent after him to Lachish and put him to death there. We see in verse 2 that what he did was right in the eyes of the Lord, yet not with his whole heart. And then we see when he brought these other gods into uh, into his building or wherever he brought him into, he followed after them. And what ended up happening is he turned away. He apostatized. He turned away from God to worship other gods. And his end was death. Now, look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 5, and this is what we read. Now, the Spirit explicitly says that in latter, latter times... Some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. So Paul is starting to dissect and reveal the false teachers here. This apostasy that's going to take place. And we can see in the first verse that our first point is that this apostasy is guaranteed. The apostasy is guaranteed. This falling away. Now the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. This should not shock us, brothers and sisters, when people fall away. God who cannot lie, God the Spirit who cannot lie, expressly says that in latter times, there's going to be a departure. There's going to be a falling away. So it shouldn't be surprised when we have people fall away from the faith. It's a guarantee. It's going to happen. Now these latter times, what's he mean by latter times? Is it 20 years from now? Is it five years from now? Is it now? Well, this is what he means by latter times. It's from the time of Christ's first coming to the time of his second it's that time. There's going to be a falling away. That's described in the Bible as this, the last hour, the last days, the last times, when we read all of this. But that is from Christ's first coming to his second coming. There's going to be a falling away. There's going to be an apostasy. They're going to depart. This depart means to defect, to apostatize. It's someone moving away from their original position. This is what he's talking about. In the latter times, there's going to be those that are going to move away from their original position. There's going to be those that believed in who Jesus is, and yet they're going to move away from that. We see that in the soils, right? We, we see in the soils, when Jesus talks about the parables of the soil, of the, of the soils, that the, the seed fell on rocky ground, it fell on um, good soil, and then it, it fell on a soil that, that has sprung up. But only in those, 
in those areas, there's only one that's truly a believer. And that's the good soil that produced fruit. But we have a couple of them that sprung up with joy. They received the word with joy, but yet the cares of the world quenched them out. They departed from the faith. They moved away from their original position. Jesus says that this is going to happen. Listen to Matthew 24, 4 and 5. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. This is in the, um, all of a discourse of things that are going to happen in, in the end. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. <coughs> and they will lead many astray. Second Peter 3, 3. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires in the last days. Jude 18, they said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. These are the people that are going to come. They're going to draw away the elect. They're going to come with false teaching, with false doctrine to draw them away. Now we see where there was some that have fallen away. Within the Bible, right? Judas. Judas was an apostate. Alexander, Hymenaeus, Philetus, Demas. They all fell away from that original position. They all fell away from that. Hebrews 3.12 gives you and I a warning, brothers and sisters. It says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. This is a warning to you and I. We are on the edge of falling away. We are on the edge of being carried away by the lusts of this world, by the cares of this world. One false doctrine to sweep through Faith Bible Church and the doors are locked. And no more. We are on the edge. We have to take care, brothers and sisters, that there's not an unbelieving heart that leads you and I to fall away from the living God. The apostasy is guaranteed. People will grow cold. Their hearts will grow cold towards Jesus. Jesus says it in Matthew 24, 12. And because lawlessness will be increased, we see that. Because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. We have to be encouraging to each other. We have to continually lift each other up in prayer. We have to continually be in each other's lives. Why? So that our love for one another doesn't grow cold for that our love for Christ doesn't grow cold because the minute our love for Christ goes cold our love for each other grows cold and then our love for the lost grows cold and then we are susceptible because we are weak to the false doctrines that will come in and we likewise will be just like Judas and we will fall away from the faith. So we see in this chapter, in this verse, that the Spirit explicitly says that apostate is going to happen. It is going to happen. Secondly, what is the root? What is the root of this apostasy? Look at verse 1 again. 
Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. There's the root. The root of the falling away, the root of changing position is deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. And those who fall away from this, they are devoted to this. They are committed to this. This is, they yield credence to it. They follow it. They are attached to it. They are continually attached to what? Deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. This is what they're, they are attached to. The deceitful spirits are the spirits that are seducing and deceiving. These are false teachers who have departed from the faith and they have no problem drawing other believers away. The teaching of demons. This is not teaching about demons. This is teaching of demons. This is the deceitfulness, the the false teaching, the deceptiveness that comes out of the pit of hell. This is what it is. It's denying of anything of God. We have to remember the battle we're in, brothers and sisters. Ephesians 6.12 says it, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The battle is real. The war is real. We wrestle with this. There is a battle for your soul all the time. We sing it. Is it well with your soul? Is it well because your soul is rooted to the world or because your soul is rooted to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you well? We have to remember the battle. James 3, 14 and 15, he puts it this way. But if you have bitter jealousies and selfish ambitions in your heart, does that describe you? Do you have bitter jealousies and selfish ambitions in your heart? Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. We have to be aware that there is demonic teaching out there. Paul warned this to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20 and 29 29 and 30. He says, I know that after my departure... Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. We have to look at that verse. These fierce wolves, they're going to come in where? Among us. Among you. They're going to come in among you. He's, he's encouraging these Ephesian elders as he leaves. Where are we at in Timothy? What church are we at? We're in Ephesus. They've come. They've come. This is where they're at. They have come into the church. This is Hymenaeus and Alexander. Paul calls them out. Philetus, he calls them out. They're here. They're now. Brothers and sisters, they're here. They're now. They're in the churches here. The wolves are here. They're not sparing the flock, they're feasting on the flock. They're pulling the flock away. 
the apostasy is happening from the beginning to when Christ comes back. <coughs> Verse 30, he says, And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. To draw them away. This leads us to our third point. Who is the provider of this apostasy? Well, it's these men. It's these men that Paul just warned us about. It's these men that, that are speaking twisted things. Twisted things that are demonic teachings, that are out of the pit of hell, that are drawing the disciples away, that are drawing them away to apostatize, to leave the faith they once had, to leave the faith they once clung to, to leave that original position. The insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. These are the false teachers in the, in the pulpit. This is the ones that are providing this, that are causing this. This insincerity, we can get our word hypocrisy from it. We can get the word hypocrisy from it. These are hypocritical lie speakers. They speak lies. They're hypocrites. This is what they do. They don't even believe what they teach. They don't even live what they teach. Their whole goal is to draw you away from Christ, from the living God. That's the whole goal, is to draw you away from Christ. Their consciences are seared. They're carterized. They're branded with a mark. Their consciences are senseless. They have no feeling. They're senseless in this. This is why it's so easy for them to... To, to teach falsely because they no longer have any sensitivity to the word. They don't have any sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. They don't got any sensitivity to his leading. They got nothing. They're, there's no sensitivity at all. They're numb. This is the hypocritical lie speaker. This is who the demons use. This is who Satan uses to bring about his demonic teaching with the deceitful spirits to do what? So that we would apostatize. We have to be careful. They reject a good conscience. Their conscience is seared. That very thing in their head, that very thing in our hearts that tells us this is good and this is bad, that's our conscience. They don't have one. They don't have one. It's only their own appetite they want. It's only their own desires they want. This is all they want. Paul tells us in 119 of 1 Timothy, holding faith and a good conscience. This is what we are to do, to hold on to that faith with a good conscience. And if we don't hold on to that faith with a good conscience, what happens? We, have, we make shipwreck of that faith. That's what happens. This is what happens. Now, who are these hypocritical lie speakers? Oh, we know some of them, right? We know the people on the TV that are asking for a new airplane so that they can evangelize better, right? That are always asking for money so that they could do this better or do that better. We know the people in the big in the, in the big um, 
convention centers that are throwing spirit balls. We know those are false teachers. We know those. But how about this? How about the seminary professor? Is your seminary professor a false teacher? Is he a hypocritical lie speaker? How about that person? How about your elders? How do you guys know that Martin and Dick, because I know it's not me, (laughs) how do you guys know that the three of us are not hypocritical lie speakers and are wanting to draw you away from the living God? It happens. There's elders, there's seminary professors, there's pastors. There's those who write theological books. Those who write commentaries that are this way. That Satan uses to draw the sheep away from the living God. These are the hypocritical lie speakers. And you know what? When we sit under these people and we listen to their teaching and we take their teaching in, it's like gangrene. It's an infection we're putting into our body. It's gangrene. Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.17, and their talk, this is them, will spread like gangrene. It will infect all. Among them are Hymenaeus, and Philetus. Paul calls them out. He calls them out. Yes. So we see that the apostasy is provided by hypocritical lie speakers, false teachers. Now, fourthly, what's the subject matter of this apostasy? What's the subject matter we look at? Look at verse 3. He says, who bur- these <coughs> the sincerity of these speakers, they forbid marriage and require abstinence from whom that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth, right? So their matter, their subject matter is called asceticism. This is what it is. It's asceticism, right? And asceticism is a severe self-discipline and avoidance of all form of indulgences, Right? It probably came from the Essenes during this time period that were within the Ephesian church. So what are they telling you? What are they telling you you have to do? Well, they're forbidding marriage. And they're telling you to abstain from food. Now, the Bible talks about singleness, right? Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 tells us that it is better to remain as he is, that it's good to be single. And we do have Paul in 1 Corinthians 8, he does talk about abstaining from foods that may cause one to stumble. But Jesus in the gospel, (coughs) he tells us that it's not what goes into the man that defiles him, but what comes out of the man. Therefore, he says, all food is good, nothing to abstain from. So here's the subtleness of this. They forbid marriage, abstain from food. 
The subtleness of it is when we make these things a requirement for salvation. We make these things a requirement for salvation. Now, it doesn't have to be forbidding marriage or abstaining from food, does it? It could be a whole different things. Maybe music you listen to, movies you watch. We can make anything out there a requirement for salvation. If you are not here every Sunday, we can make that a requirement for salvation. And this is what they do. Forbid marriage and they abstain from God. Notice the subtleness, not biggies. These aren't the biggies. They're not coming right at you right away. They're not coming at you with the person and work of Jesus. They're not coming at you with denying Jesus' words, denying the Trinity, the resurrection. We will see that later on where they have upset people because they say their resurrection had already happened. Or even creation itself. This is their subject matter. Paul speaks about this in Colossians 2, (coughs) 21 through 23, excuse me. He says, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Brothers and sisters, we can forbid marriage, but you want to know what? You're still going to want to be with somebody. You're still going to want to be intimate with somebody. You're still going to want to have sexual relations with somebody because that's how we were made. We're forbidding something that God said was good. And we can do the same thing. We can abstain from food. We can all become vegetarians. But I know I'm going to wake up one morning and want a ribeye. I know that. And that's what Paul is saying here. We can abstain from these things and we can be, uh, you know, have this asceticism, this, this severe discipline. But it's no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. There's no value. But this is what they use. This is their subject matter. Do's, 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 do's. Don'ts, 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 don'ts. It's the legalistic thing. And pretty soon what you're all worried about is you have your list of do's and don'ts and guess what's not on the do's and don'ts? Jesus. You've apostatized yourself. You've pulled yourself away from the living God and the grace of the gospel. This is what you have done. But here's their mistake. Here's the false teacher's mistake. Here's the apostate's mistake. This is what they forget. Look at 1 Timothy 4, 4 and 5. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. 
Their mistake is, is they reject the word of God as the word of God. They reject this as the word of God. That's the mistake. That's what draws them away. That's what draws them away. Listen, everything God created was good. Genesis 1, 28 through 31. And God blessed them. God said to them, be, fr- be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. There's our marriage. There's marriage. He tells Adam and Eve that first marriage happens in Genesis chapter 2. And he says, be fruitful and multiply. Guess what that means? Have kids. That's what he's telling them. Have kids. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. Oh, here's the garden. No abstaining. Here it is. I've given it to you for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. God made marriage and God made food for his glory and our enjoyment. But yet the false teachers that were coming in 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 Ephesus were saying, no, we have to forbid marriage and certain foods. Drawing them away from their original position. We have to be careful, brothers and sisters. We have to be careful that we do not let legalism draw us away from the living God. We have to be careful. God made marriage and food for his glory and our enjoyment. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The Ephesian apostates reached a point where they denied God's creation. Therefore, they denied the fact that everything God created was good and that there was nothing to be rejected if received with gratitude. They rejected this. They rejected the word of God for the word of God. We have to remember that God has created all things and all things are for him and all things are from him Romans 11:36 for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever amen so how do you and i keep from becoming the apostate how do we do this <coughs> first of all we are to test the spirits to make sure they're from god that's what first john 4 tells us is to test the spirit to make sure they're from God because not every spirit is from God. We have to be testing what's in the pulpit is what's coming from the pulpit is the word of God. We have to be the Bereans in the book of Acts who, after Paul preached, they went back to make sure what he preached was true. We have to be sure that the person in the pulpit, in the Sunday school rooms, are not drawing us away from the living God, but are pushing us towards the living God. Secondly, we expose false teachers for what they truly teach. We bring out the false doctrine. We bring out the teaching of demons. We call a false teacher a false teacher. We call a spade a spade. That is what we do. This keeps us from being apostasies. 
They're being apostatized. We strive to be obedient, thirdly, not out of legalism or self-righteousness, but out of gratitude for what Christ has done. This is where our obedience comes. I'm going to abstain from eating uh, I'm going to abstain from eating a steak because it causes my brother to stumble. That's why I'm not going to eat it. Because it causes my brother to stumble. The steak's not bad. But when it causes my brother to stumble, now it's bad. So I'm going to abstain from eating that steak for the sake of my brother. You see, that's grace. That's mercy. That's not check one off the box for me and my legalistic, self-righteous attitude. That's grace. That's mercy. That's what we do. Fourth, we strive to have a good conscience, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading, being repentive when we need to be repentive, not grieving the Holy Spirit, not quenching the Holy Spirit, but being sensitive to His leading, being sensitive to the Word of God. When we're sensitive to the Word of God and we're in the Word of God and we're in prayer and the Holy Spirit's leading our lives, all of a sudden, when we hear something false, we're going to be like, boom, that's false, that's not right. That's false, that's not right. It's like today in the Sunday school when we were talking about redemption and R.C. Sproul said that the blood of Christ was a price tag for our redemption. I heard a pastor here in town use that same thing and then he follows it up with this, you're worth the son of God. Oh, bing, bing, bing. But people sucked it up and they believed it. And he was never called out on it. Brothers and sisters, that is where we have to be so sensitive to the Spirit and know the Word of God that we know one thing, I am not worth the Son of God. And our eyes should go up and go, whew, that's false, that's not right. That's not right. We have to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And finally, constantly remembering that what God has created is good and is to be received with thanksgiving and prayer. Just not the food that we eat, but everything is good. Thanking God for the heat that we have from the sun. Thanking God for the food we have on our tables. Thanking God for, hey, brothers and sisters, I know marriage. Are you thankful for your marriage? Are you thankful for that person that God has given you? Are you thankful for that? And we, we, we lose touch of that. But we're to be thankful for the, the, the spouse that God has given us. We're to be thankful for that. That's a whole nother sermon, but we'll stay with that. So to close... To close with this, those are, those are just five things that, that, that come to mind that, that keep us from being apostate, which would be the very things that, that would be the opposite of these. Good, sound teaching. We need to be able to have all those things. But we have to know, and, not, and, and you and I probably know, and we probably know someone personally, that those who are fallen away or have been deceived by the devil into incorrect thinking about Christ, that battle is real. That battle is real. We need to pray for them. 
be on our knees for them, pointing them to the living God. So brothers and sisters, may you and I be constantly encouraging one another to fight the good fight, to keep the faith, to finish the race that is set before us, that we might, through Christ's strength, see him glorious, and that maybe we will run a race that glorifies him so that we may finish well. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for this time. Lord, I pray for all here at Faith Bible. Father, I pray that you would not allow, Father, any demonic teaching to come from this pulpit. I pray, Father, that you would not allow any deceitful spirits to come in. I pray, Father, that we would be aware, Father, of the hypocritical lie speakers. Father, I pray we would be strengthened by your word, strengthened by this pulpit, strengthened in the Sunday school, Father, that we would not fall away. But Father, when those do fall away from you, may we know that your spirit explicitly says that this is going to happen and it is a guarantee. Father, keep us, keep us, Lord, Lord, 